Welcome to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast, where you will learn how to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around and operate mobile home parks. And now, here is your host, the fifth largest mobile home park owner in the United States, Frank Rolf. In 1965, Hollywood brought out the movie The Great Race. Starring Tony Curtis, it was the most expensive comedy film ever made at that time. But now we're entering a new chapter into the mobile home park industry, which I would also call The Great Race. It's not from Hollywood, and it's not a comedy. It's very serious business. If you miss out on this great race, you may well miss out on the last vestige of real estate that still has some real opportunity left in it. Now, the science of mobile home park investing has been now well established. We now know exactly how to correctly identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, and turn around mobile home parks. And we also know that of the 44,000 mobile home parks out there in the U.S., roughly 40,000 of those are still up for grabs. So you have the combination of knowing exactly what you should do, but the limiting factor that there's not an infinite number of mobile home parks out there to buy. Now, not all mobile home parks should be purchased. Now, why is that? Well, there's four different reasons. Number one, that park may have very poor location. Real estate's really about location, 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 after all. And mobile home parks are no different. So you've got to select a property that is in the right spot, a place where people want to live, a place where there's plenty of demand, a place with a good economic future, a place that has all the right vital signs for the mobile home park industry. You also have to select a property that does not have poor infrastructure. Remember that mobile home park owners have to provide working water and sewer and roads and electric, sometimes natural gas. So there are some requirements of infrastructure that not all parks have. There's some out there that don't have any of these attributes. They have the wrong density, for example. These are things you can't typically fix. You can maybe alter them a little bit. You have to plan on that accordingly, though, when you buy it on the front end. There are also some parks out there that have permit and legal problems, things that you may not be able to resolve whatsoever, because really that mobile home park, when it was built back in the day, really had no right to be there. We see those all the time. Shocking in many instances, a park located, a large park in a major city, and you'd say, well, how can it be there? Well, mom and pop who built it just kind of disregarded the law, and for whatever reason, no one wanted to tangle with them over it, but believe me, they will on the next owner. Finally, there are parks out there that are simply overpriced. Even if a park meets all the other characteristics, there's absolutely no guarantee that the price is going to be reasonable enough to make any money with it. However, even despite the fact that some of those 40,000 remaining parks fall under this framework, that doesn't mean that you should not get out there and look at virtually every single one. See, there were originally 44,000 parks in the U.S., but about 4,000 of those have already been bought up by people, such as ourselves, that saw the opportunity sometimes years ago, and those have become the 100 largest owners in the U.S. And of those 100, if you add up every single park that they all own, you see it doesn't even add up to 4,000 of them. But I assume there's many people off the radar who never contribute their numbers to these sites that track the largest owners. So I'm going to run it off to assume there's about 4,000 parks in that grouping, which means there's still about 40,000 up for grabs. So why is there any sense of urgency here? Why is it the great race? Why is it a race at all? Why isn't it just do it at your own leisure? Well, 
There are some problems with the concept of thinking that there's no sense of urgency. Number one, more people are simply figuring it out. Most Americans, myself included, have long thought that trailer parks were filled with people who were trailer trash. There was no benefit to that form of investment at all. You were crazy to get involved in it. That's what people told me when I bought my first park, Glenhaven. People told me I was nuts. It was too dangerous. They had me so convinced, I went down and got a concealed handgun license and bought a pistol. I was afraid to be on that property without a gun in my pocket. But, of course, I learned over time they were wrong, that the media stereotype that's been built is, in fact, completely false. I got over it. Back then, not many people did. Back in the mid-'90s, they sure didn't. Today, however, a lot of people, either through necessity or just greater education on the industry, have figured out it's not scary, it's not dangerous, it's really like owning high-density subdivisions. So you constantly have, every day, more people figuring it out and entering the space. Number two, and this is very important, there will never be any more mobile home parks built. I don't care what they want to say at HUD. I don't care what they want to say in the current administration. They're not going to be building any more mobile home parks, at least not that form of affordable housing. I know the government's been releasing all kinds of thoughts and comments recently. Oh, they're going to bolster affordable housing. When they say those things, they're talking about apartments. The government loves apartments. Virtually everything in Section 8 is an apartment. I don't know what the tie-in between them is. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know what's going on. But they don't think about mobile home parks, and that's just perfectly fine. I really would rather not have them build any more mobile home parks as a large mobile home park owner. I'd be crazy if I said, let's do it. But yet I can still face the facts if I was wrong, but it's a very simple equation. Cities don't want mobile home parks, certainly not built in their boundaries. Why would they? Mobile home park people don't pay a lot of tax. And mobile home parks don't pay a lot of property tax. And as a result, to a city, a mobile home park is nothing but a money-losing proposition. And the neighbors don't want them. It hurts their property values. Easy to prove. Just go on any real estate website that shows you the value of the properties surrounding something. Go to Zillow, for example. You'll see that the cheapest homes in the neighborhood are the ones nearest that mobile home park. Just being a block over, home prices seem to rise significantly. So if there aren't going to be any more mobile home parks built, which they will not, even if the government tried to build them from scratch themselves, they couldn't do it in any city anyone would want to live in. They could certainly build them in areas in America that are, that are blighted, places that people don't want to live anymore. Any idiot can, in fact, build a mobile home park. It's not that difficult, but it's impossible to get the permit. Even though the government would like to say it has lots of powers today, it doesn't have any power there. So as a result, you just won't see any new parks come on the horizon. When these last 40,000 are bought up, there won't be another 40,000 coming down the, down the pike. In fact, there won't be any more coming down at all. Also, moms and pops in the industry, which have always been the bedrock that we buy from, they're all getting really old. Almost all the parks out there that you'll buy were built and perhaps still owned by what are called the greatest generation and the silent generation. Now, the greatest generation, which are the nicest people I ever met, they're certainly getting much, much older. To be a greatest generation person, you could virtually have lived during and fought in World War II. So the greatest generation people, that's the, for those to be alive today, you are, you are beyond the actuarial tables of most insurance companies. Then you have the next group, the silent generation. These are the people that were born during the Depression. 
So typically they're normally in about their 80s. And again, greatest people you will ever meet. But what do the greatest generation, the silent generation, both have in common? They're both simply biting that biological clock. I'm no different. I'm a baby boomer. But baby boomers, the age range of baby boomers begins in 1946. So baby boomers, many of them right now are in their mid-70s. So I'm aware of my biological clock as well. I know that we all don't live forever. And because of that, in this one instance, age is, in fact, extremely important. There's not an infinite amount of time left if you're going to go ahead and buy from those original moms and pops. Finally, the industry is facing widespread consolidation. This has always been known and discussed, at least over the last decade. I've written countless articles on that reality, and we've seen it come to pass. I appear to be completely correct. Multiple multi-billion dollar transactions have taken place in a whole lot in the hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't see that slowing anytime soon. Now, that will not have a lot of impact on you getting into the business. That's more of an exit strategy item for the larger owners at this point. Most of the large private equity groups have very, very large minimum investment standards. Most want to spend on their first acquisition at least $100 million. Not many people outside of that top 100 could even begin to remotely hit that kind of a level. But nevertheless, as consolidation happens, it will attract more people into the industry. People see these articles and they become fascinated. Who didn't read the article about the multi-hundred million dollar mobile home park that sold not too long ago near Silicon Valley? Many people did. Many people asked me about it. So consolidation will bring greater interest. People will start saying, wow, the Carlisle Group, the biggest private equity group in America, is buying mobile home parks. How strange. Perhaps I should do that too. So all these factors together as a group bring forth the theory of urgency. You know, I have a plaque on my wall. It's been there since the 80s. It says time kills deals. It means that we all work our entire lives under an extreme sense of urgency. So in this case, don't be left out. Don't miss out on this opportunity. The great race is definitely on. You need to get in the race if you can. Those who succeed in that race will do very well economically and very well financially. But there'll be a lot who didn't make the race. They did not get into the business in time. That will be very sad for those people. So, again, if you want to join the race, the science is there. We know virtually everything about this strange industry. It's all been developed over time. You have to learn it, and then you have to put it into action. But it's like a wonderful large buffet. So much opportunity in such a price range. Big parks, small parks, every kind known. We can hit every budget with at least one mobile home park out there. There seems to be almost one assigned to everyone. Fate holds it. There seems to be a mobile home park for every budget and every interest and every goal. So start exploring it because the great race is, in fact, upon us. This is Frank Croft with Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast. Be sure to visit us at mhpmastery.com to subscribe to the show, read our show transcriptions, and access all of our great information on mobile home park investing.